Hello, Flickin' Fanatics. It's Jesse Swift and Tyler Hall. We are here with the Fan Splash Podcast, a splash of all things fandom. And today we got some fun topics to dive into. We're going to be talking about adaptations, the best and the worst, and we will get to it right after this. Needless to say, this place has everything. Melvin, dude? 60% of the time, it works every time. What the fuck is a fan splash? Probably switch to the sober toner. <laughs> we're not, we're not, uh, we're doing sober toner, toner boner. And, uh, if you've got a toner boner, that is a completely different hotline. Welcome back. We are at our third episode of the Fan Splash podcast. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the last couple that we did here. This is one of our favorite things to do, and we are happy to get it out to you. Let us know if you like the show. Um, Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all those groovy places that you can find us, as well as the other shows that we have on here, like You've Never Seen It uh, with Allison Salamone, and uh, we just recently did an episode with PJ Campbell where we talked about all the Evil Dead shows. Check that out. That is dope, dope, dope. But with me, I have uh, not even special guests. This is co-host, once again, Tyler Hall uh, with me on the show. Tyler, how's it going today, man? Good, good. We're back. Consistent schedule. We're doing it. We've got a thing going. It's awesome. I'm excited. I'm stretching, but I'm excited. Yeah. I'm stretching for. Oh, I gotta get this out of the way. Yeah. Off to a good start. <laughs> uh, so we're trying to think of some fun topics to to go over, and these are a lot more probably just editorial, open conversation based, uh, without too much structure. But I thought it'd be fun to dive into some of the best and worst adaptations. Uh, what inspired me, I think, was just with how much I've loved Rings of Power and how toxic and horrible a lot of the Tolkien fan base has been. And it's been a big conversation of adaptation. Um, so that that uh, why I want to talk about it. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, that specifically briefly? Uh, because I, I think um, initially people didn't think that the Lord of the Rings was a toxic fandom because the Peter Jackson movies were well received at first, right? The, yeah. the trilogy. Um, it's so well Came to the out point of the blue. That, really yeah, surprised me that to, to where people were like, we don't even have to mess with these movies. Right. And then when the rings of power was announced and they, they I think at first they were talking about just redoing Lord of the Rings as like an Amazon series before they, before Amazon it was got be, it. Yeah. Like it was going to be, I think Netflix was the ones that said if they got the rights to uh, do a streaming show, they were going to like recreate the Lord of the Rings. Like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I, I wouldn't mind other takes it, but uh, for some reason I get off put if it's just like more like expanding sometimes, but then when I find out it's good, I'm, I'm willing to try it. That's why I've saved up so much of the star Wars stuff that I haven't seen yet. Um, because the movies were so disappointing. And then you had the Hobbit trilogy come out, which, you know, like towards the, the, the desolation of Smaug. Smaug. Right. Smaug. And the, and the, whatever the third one was called. You know, uh, uh, we're up here in Washington. We had a lot of Smaug the last yeah. couple of weeks. That's so crazy. Because <laughs> it was hot for so long. And like, I hadn't really noticed the sky or any of that stuff. I was just like, the, the sunsets are beautiful right now. But I was wondering like, how, how have I not heard of any fires? I don't know, but on. our air then, quality index like superseded like 200. Yeah, it, it, it was an instant migration. It, it was number one worst in the country. And uh, people suddenly started talking about these in fires. In the world. These we had fires. the worst air quality oh, in the any world, city in even, the world. That's, that's any, any major city, I think, is what they said. To be fair, I'm here living it. I didn't notice it. I didn't even know there were fires until on Friday. Everyone was suddenly stopped, started talking about it. And then like Friday and Saturday, it was just raining a lot. So it was like no longer a topic anymore um anyways desolation of smog so. yeah so i'm um, sorry uh free form that's kind of what this is uh we got to be different than the news and views show which mm -hmm. is more uh classically what we did before um but then that's when people started kind of getting like shitty about uh you know lord of the rings stuff but um no they they kind of uh from what i hear from what you're saying is they're they're more like star wars fans right now 
you know? Yeah, it was. It's weird because it used to, you know, it started being like, oh, Star Wars fans is the worst fandom, and then there was like a certain sect of DC fans that like superseded them, and then with uh, She Hulk and a lot of the like um, lady-led Marvel properties, I was like, oh, damn, maybe it's Marvel. Marvel fans are really bad. See, it used to be that the the thing about Marvel fans was they were annoying. And not in like the DC way. Like in DC, like the DC fans were annoying because they just wanted better. Yeah. But Marvel fans were annoying because they were, um, I guess, like defending everything and like lording Marvel over everything. Like it was the best, and um, which it still is. And also like just very gatekeepy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why fandoms aren't inviting. Like, don't you want people to like what you like? I want to talk about one of our co-hosts for a second, Scott Fox, because yeah. he is our Tolkien lore master. He's, yeah. he's the one that we've we've gone back to over well, and over again. Well, he read the Cerulean and everything, didn't he? Silmarillion. Sim, Sim, Sir, Sim, Sim, Simarillion. Fired. Simar, You're fired. Simarillion. Cer- what did I call it? Cerulean? Similarian. Cerulean City. The Isn't Cim- that like Pokemon or <laughs> yeah. something? What's the color? But yeah, yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking. That's Misty's gym. Oh, yeah, city. exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we keep we keep going to him, and he's a perfect example of I don't on a personal level know anyone that's a bigger Tolkien fan than Scott. Uh, but you know what? He's not as gatekeepy. Mm-hmm. He loves to inform people. He likes to wax poetic and go full prof- like college professor on Tolkien, and we just sit there and listen to it. And it's really great. But he has acknowledged that they've made changes, that there's adaptations, and that they're also basing this whole show off of like. A handful of pages. Yeah, I think like it's the like appendices. five pages or something. Or yeah, it's crazy pages. that there's so much outrage. Yeah. It was like, oh, there's so many contradictions and stuff. And how are you? How do you? To make something work in modern times, you have to contradict something. There are movies oh. that were made ten years ago that couldn't be made today just because, or the shit. And and you would, you would, watch them and be like, oh, I didn't notice that, you know. Like some jokes in like Spider Man that yeah. are just so off key right now. Sure. That is natural to oh, me. Did your husband make that for you? Yes. Yeah, but I mean, okay, so but it was funny when that movie was written, but it's not something that you should use as a joke now. Right. You know, so absolutely. Um things like that. Um, but not necessarily specific to that topic or anything, but things would have to change. You'd have to tweak things. You'd have to contradict something. And then when there's very little source material too, when you're trying to expand a web, mm-hmm. maybe it only goes so far in one direction, but if you tweak something slightly, you could go even further beyond that, like way further in the web beyond that. It goes down a rabbit hole further, or it makes more sense later on, or it'll come back full circle or something like that. Not everything is going to be, and it's an adaptation too. Adaptations aren't perfect, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we get to my adaptations and maybe yours for, because in mine, all three of my uh, top adaptations have numerous tweaks in them. Uh, I think there's definitely some tweaks um, in in my best, definitely a lot of tweaks in my worst, so we'll talk about that. Something I want to bring up really quick, because one of my key frustrations with the fandoms facing these adaptations is like house of the dragon the new game of thrones shows also an adaptation i believe the book is fire and blood somebody might be able to correct me here um listening to it later and uh let's see where is rotten tomatoes so rotten tomatoes which is you know it's not a hundred percent thing but what it is is it's a consensus of critics just positive negative ratings and a percentage of it a lot of people don't understand how rotten tomatoes works i think rotten tomatoes is a score of the quality of something it's just how many critics give uh positive reviews the critic review or the critic percentage on rotten tomatoes for rings of power is 85 percent, which is that's solid right means a vast majority of people like it which is acceptable to me i was like okay so 15 percent of people it's not their bag that works but then you go over to the audience score, 39%. Wow. And that is um, a dip. It's laughable to me, but it's so loudly toxic online. There are accounts that have popped up that now have hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and their whole account is solely dedicated to shitting on the show. Wow. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't know it exi- <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Well, well I guess there's uh, numbers and negativity, which is unfortunate. There is. Um, but I bring that up to do a little cross 
comparison because it's a similar genre. House of the Dragon, also exactly 85% critic rating. Okay. So they're exactly the same critically. So but, is this one of your uh, proper adaptations, or we're just still talking about? We're that? still talking about. It. You, okay. you brought up, but we'll 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 cut it off here. But um, I want to bring up them frustrated. What's well, the fandoms. reason we're doing it? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so eighty-five percent for both of them critics. But here's the difference in audience, and I think it's malarkey. Eighty-four percent audience for House of the Dragon. So eighty-four compared to thirty-nine percent. There's so many changes in things and i think structural story frustrations i have with house of the dragon that are getting completely ignored by the fandom or forgiven like there's characters that have died that they did something else with and they're changing the stuff every week and everyone's like this is the greatest show this is what fantasy should be and things i was like meanwhile rings of power i is my favorite show um out of the last, wave that just came out, yeah, out of like, out of the, of like shows. four show yeah. wave, Rings of Power is my favorite, and and pe- it's it's so funny that people are over protecting Lord of the Rings when they should be more pumping the brakes on Game of Thrones because think, the ending the way, was exactly. so critically panned and uh, the fans hated it. So there were entire sub communities dedicated to Game of Thrones that complete okay and we're back so uh had a little bit of a internet but we're back into talking about uh good adaptations and bad adaptations and we'll just call it a wrap on our rings of power house of the dragon conversation wherever we were at yeah the too long didn't read <laughs> sure. version yeah. is uh there's a lot of people giving a pass to uh george rr R. martin's content and then the tolkien fan base is uh going ape shit on rings of power which is arguably a better show but Which let's... inspired Jesse to want to do uh, our top three um, bad and good adaptations yeah. and why we feel that way. Exactly. So, uh, you know, a forced transition, but a transition nonetheless. Uh, let's get into it. I kind of wanted to end on a good note. So let's start off with bad adaptations. Now, these aren't necessarily three that came to mind. For both sure so it's yeah. not necessarily our, our one two three but it's just three. want to go with it and like you know i don't go too long and then we run out of time and all that stuff so we're already out of time yeah <laughs> right yeah the whole brings the power thing was 45 minutes on my list here so we'll talk about it um there's uh, a little bit of irony in here and uh, a reflective nature to my best and worst list, but I do want to bring up David Lynch's Dune uh, 1984. Uh, before the new Dune came out, I, I watched this for the first time um, after re- or after listening to the audible of Dune. And imagine if they took the Lord of the Rings trilogy and tried to tell it in about a, a short two hours right that would be rough so yeah i understand that and and then on top of that imagine it's bad <laughs> oh, okay so i mean dune is kind of sci-fi lord of the rings in the way that it's it's really dense sometimes a little dry very political there's a lot of stuff to dive into there's also a whole lot of exposition which in books i feel like it's a lot more acceptable than in movies sure. it's hard to watch exposition but books you're, you're reading information anyways there's a lot of internal dialogue with characters. You constantly are getting the inner thoughts and monologues of these characters throughout different events. And David Lynch, bless his heart, thought it'd be a good idea to do the internal monologues in the movie. So there would just be moments of characters staring at each other and you would hear the voiceovers of their thought processes and explanations and plans and things. Was like, Interesting. Interesting. So it's very, like narrating the movie. Yeah. Huh. It was very kooky uh, and, and cheesy. And then there was some, there's elements of Dune that are left for interpretation as far as visuals go. You know, that describe a, a fighting style or a, they would talk about the ornithopters. And you kind of get to, in your head, make up what these things look like. Uh, David Lynch, I think, did not, uh, was not up to par for pretty much anything. They had the, again, it was the 80s, so special effects is very difficult. It's a very ambitious thing to attempt to do. Sure. Uh, there are uh, shields, like, um, I forget what they call them because I haven't, I haven't watched it in a little bit, but kind of, you know, they hit this thing on their wrist and then they get these, um, like, vibro shields that go around their body. In the 84 version, 
it makes them look like Minecraft characters. They're just like these big boxy blocks around them oh, while fun. they're fighting. Uh, it's really silly. It doesn't seem very serious. Yet. No, it's, it doesn't yeah. sound like it suits the story. Or now, this the this movie's on my list of worst, but I have no problem watching it because I find it really funny. Right, it's very laughable. Right, but it's not good right. in most ways. And despite the fact that you have uh, Kyle McLaughlin and uh, Patrick Stewart in it, uh, couldn't couldn't save it. So that is the first one that comes to mind for me. Uh, there's your blueprint. I, you know, wax about how crap it is for about gotcha. four minutes. I'm going to start off easy. I'm going to go, I'm going to take the easy way out and I'm going to say Dragon Ball Evolution was pretty bad. <clears throat> I think we all know why, but let's revisit it. Um, so Dragon Ball story of, uh, the only time I'll revisit Dragon Ball right. Evolution <laughs> in this conversation yeah. and in conversations in the future when everybody talks about it, but no one ever rewatches it. Um, so, uh, it's, a uh, uh, kid named Goku, um, and he... A white man? No! No, yeah. <laughs> Again, they cast a white guy, they had to whitewash it. Um, another issue I have with another one on my list is uh, every, everybody's just got to be white in Hollywood, uh, especially at the time, it, for people to watch it for some reason, which I, I, it didn't I don't work. agree with. Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, Justin Chapman was on track to be a fantastic actor until this, and then I, I haven't really seen him in much since. Ironically, um, Justin Chapman and I forget her name currently emmy rosen yeah um who was in phantom of the opera they're both in shameless together yeah 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 and they do fantastic in that show which isn't so this isn't anything against them the writer kind of publicly came out and apologized and said um i didn't really really know what i was getting into and i didn't try my best and i'm sorry for that something like that so get the the main ending overarching villain of all of dragon ball which is a very long series i think 150 something episodes right and you are missing characters you have some characters that are hybrids you have characters that do not reflect themselves whatsoever so goku is so naive and cocky that he could do anything but this Goku in the film is uncertain of himself, doubts himself, straight up says, I can't do this, which is not befitting of the character. There are so many weird things that they did with their practical and special effects with like everybody in the whole town or city or whatever having the same car is their vision of the future. They go to school. There's a school. There's no school. You didn't go to school. They kind of like... Uh, Ran around looking for Dragon Balls, you know, was the, was the thing. Yeah, he they didn't like realize he had any and... abilities until he was in high school. And I'm like, that's the entirety of Dragon Ball. He is a child. Right. Well, until there's a time skip uh, at the World Martial Arts Tournament, or there's like Piccolo or whatever. Um, but then the the villain is Piccolo. And it's the it's Piccolo. It's the original Piccolo, Piccolo's dad. King Piccolo. Anyway. I don't need to go too far along into it to say that it doesn't match the source material basically at all. Um, and the characters that it uses basically just uses their name and a little bit about the character, and it didn't really try to dive into like what Dragon Ball was. It just tried to say, this is the character's name, this is what they do, these are the characters we're going to use, and this is a, a vague, broad adaptation of a certain storyline in the show, plus the beginning origin storyline. So it doesn't really meld or mesh together because there's so much in between. that creates the character development and brings Goku and the other characters there that is just not there. So I guess there's really, that's all to say about that one. It's it's rough. We both agree. It almost made it on my list, but I was in pretty of confidence. I was like, if I don't put it on there, pretty sure Tyler and, and, would. And even if it weren't a bad adaptation, it's a bad movie. Yeah. So, Well, I transitioning from my last entry where I talked about Dune being kind of space Lord of the Rings, I do have a Lord of the Rings entry on my worst adaptation list and no it's not the hobbit it's ralph bakshi's animated lord of the rings from the 70s where we talk about taking a big story and condensing it into about two hours they covered the entire ship the entire ship <laughs> the entirety of fellowship of the ring and got like into two towers in the short period of time they got all the way through like helms deep in the story and it was somehow so breakneck speed as far as covering story and yet incredibly boring very wonky looking and they did this thing 
I'm trying to remember the name of the art style, but where you have people and it's it like predates motion capture. Rotoscoping. Rotoscoping. Thank you. And the way it was so unnatural, the way they would cut back and forth between hand-drawn animation and rotoscoping. And the one of the worst offenses in it is honestly the Balrog, who is very well realized both in Fellowship of the Ring and briefly in the Rings of Power show. Uh, looks incredible there. But this, it's a guy dressed up. What He looks like a minotaur with a whip. And he's about six feet tall, six and a half feet tall, walking through the orcs. It's just very laughable. And I think we've all come to know Lord of the Rings is really epic storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the movies are great. I just revisited them. The, it just didn't have the magic. It was very clunky. Again, it was 70s animation. Mm -hmm. The ambition was there. A lot of these films have ambition and the wish to properly portray a story. Uh, it just really didn't get there. Again, though, I can rewatch this movie for the hilarity factor. Um, I do remember these. I, so I used to have them. Did they ever make a Two Towers one? Because I, I had Lord of the Rings and I had Return of the King and The Hobbit. They didn't. So it Return was... of the King and The Hobbit were different animation styles. And yes. they were arguably worse. They are, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, no, the Ralph Bakshi one... I think that movie is called Lord of the Rings. Yes, I don't it's think just it's called, called Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's yes. not called Fellowship or exactly. Two Towers, and it covers a lot of both. Yeah, in the time, and then I think they just did a Return of the King one and a Hobbit one. Now I've watched the Hobbit one and I've watched Lord of the Rings. I didn't watch the Return of the King. I think I'd had my fill, and I was like, I don't. Know. Uh, even even as a child, it, that was into cartoons. I I didn't watch that. Yeah. So, um, and I owned it on DVD. I just uh, don't think I ever opened it. I tried to show uh, Lauren, my wife, for those that don't know, uh, and she's a huge uh, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings fan. I tried to show her the animated movie, and we got about to where Legolas first shows up, and she went, nope, nope, absolutely not. Yeah, there's some some things where you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my number two. So I'll have one more after that. What was your number two, sir? Uh, again, going back to Hollywood having to whitewash everything, uh, Netflix's... Uh, Death Note. So Willem Dafoe as Ryuk, um, I thought looked good. I don't remember if he still does or holds up or whatever. I don't know if people had an issue with that. Uh, but that I, I remember that being promising. But if you you know read the manga or even saw just the anime, um, and then you you get into this film, there's a lot that that you think should work the way that they do it. But the characters don't really match what they're supposed to do. And again, they cut some stuff out and they mold and mush some stuff. And it just doesn't hold up. And they set it in Seattle. Why couldn't it be where it's just supposed to be? Why couldn't it be uh why couldn't it be in Japan? Yeah. Why couldn't it be uh who the people were supposed to be? Why didn't they set it up for a two-part movie if they were gonna try why did they try to like shove a story in here? I understand maybe they thought, oh, well, you know, if it doesn't perform well, we might not get greenlit for the second one. And we, you know, we want to try to make it work as one movie if we can. At that point, why not just get approved for like six episodes for a series? Sure. And and just knock it out one season. And then you have the whole main story, at least, you know, you're done. And I think a lot of people are going to learn something from what was one of the biggest shows of this entire year, Squid Game. You don't have to make people white for it to be successful. Right. You don't have to have it English for right. people to be for it to be successful. And that's a lot of things, especially with like uh anime fans too. They'll watch it in Japanese with English subtitles. And uh you know uh, again, my... but changing the story and the yeah. characters and doing things that you weren't supposed to do and uh making certain characters even less likable than they already are, or like their self-destructive path is uh, faster and the, the pace is just bad. You're supposed to be. You don't have a chance to feel bad for somebody. Right. Just, yeah. So um, again, it's hard to remember so much that was so bad about this movie. Uh, it's, but um, something that never should have been made. And then they try again with stuff like Cowboy Bebop, the, the shot for shot remake of the um, intro and some of the casting, fantastic. And then it, it fell on its face again. You know, so so animes are hard to adapt. 
And I think that's why kind of people stay back from it. And again, going back to toxic fandoms, it's a very protective fandom, you know, but I think that anime fans and video game fans are kind of right. Yeah. They're, to be. they're a certain kin, you know, we yeah. have this kinship about like, wow, our adaptations are bad. bad. Yeah. And it's not fair to those fandoms because the source material is so rich. Right. And if we're pulling from comic books and getting what we're getting from them, I think that there's a little bit more of a grace though with comic book adaptations because you can pull from one run or the other and decide to do something. Right. You have decades and decades yeah. of storytelling, whereas video games often you're basing it off of one story, one to five stories. Right. That are all within, you know, like we are looking at Last of Us, and there's things you can pull from the trailer that are straight out of the game, and it looks to be telling hopefully a faithful adaptation of the the story maybe with you know little tweaks here and there tweaks are okay right but uh you just you want to avoid bastardizing a source material because that yeah and we'll get into why why tweaks uh when tweaks work yes that so. there's absolutely going to be an element of that in our top three is there anything else you wanted to touch on with death note not too much i think everybody knows kind of like where it went wrong and what it did if they happen to see the movie so you keep accidentally doing a fantastic job of transitioning me because we're going to talk about uh my number one that I have here, and we're talking about video game adaptations and things. And I had to put Mortal Kombat, not Annihilation, Mortal Kombat 2021. Yeah. It's been a long time since I was so, I went from being so hyped about a movie to coming out so pessimistic, negative, and frustrated. I was on, I guessed it on multiple people's podcast talking about how excited I was how the, the trailers were looking and making speculations of all these things that they could happen, how they could tell the story. And I watched it and it was such a shallow, hollow husk of the storytelling that they've been working on for like the last 10 years in the games. And, you know, a lot of people are like Mortal Kombat, you know, you rip out people's spines. It's a punchy fight game. And I'm like, yeah, it was. And I mean, it, it does kind of continue to be that. And when the nineties movie came out, it was an arcade game. Mm -hmm. So I can't fault the 90s movie for story that wasn't there. Right. There is story now. Mortal right. Kombat has a story, and you can tweak it. You can change things, but there's so much that felt lazy about this movie. Making the main character a creative character that, you know, it worked in Walking Dead. Right. Okay? But that he wasn't the main character. Daryl is a creative character in Walking Dead. Sure. But he's not the main character. Your main character in this show, in this movie, is supposed to be the player, right? Yeah. You're supposed to be seeing this as your character in the game. And what's upsetting is the when people ask why Cole Turner, um, they said, well, he's the audience's viewpoint into the tournament. I was like, Johnny Cage. What you meant to say was Johnny Cage. Right. His character already exists and has existed in like every adaptation of the movies the machinima show the animated movies he's always been that role there was no reason to change them and at the end of the movie they tried to tease johnny cage like it was some big thing and i was like that's why not just put him in the damn movie it was so weird right and, and especially if you want uh to meld the audience and bring them to the hollywood side of it why not have the hollywood actor be yeah. the character that everybody is you know in tune and sympathetic with and this might surprise people, but Mortal Kombat does have a cohesive story. And there was so much that wasn't cohesive about this movie uh, when they suddenly made this main character, a descendant of Scorpion. And Scorpion's, you know, talking to him in Japanese at the end of the movie. At no point in the movie did we find out if Cole can speak Japanese. Right. Uh, and I, I don't want to do a whole micro review here, but it was offensively bad to you know you make a mortal Kombat movie i feel like for fans sure typically and not not to be gatekeepy but like i don't know how many people go see a mortal Kombat movie that aren't at least interested in the property so are there characters do you, that you feel like they improved upon or did they just disrespect every characters like like kano do you think kano was an improvement from I uh, think the guy that they have, um, and I forget his name right now, but the guy playing Kano was actively hilarious, and I don't know how much of that was improv or actually right. written. Uh, so yeah, Kano was an improvement, but then, like, he's the highlight. Everyone talked about Kano being the highlight of the movie. They killed him. Right? And yeah, of course they're going to, before they even get to Johnny Cage. And they never even got to a tournament. That's right. the whole thing, too. All these characters is, is, died, and Koro, Koro, Goro was 
uh, eviscerated before the tournament started. Right. Prince Goro. And he's champion. supposed to be the champion yeah. that everybody is going up against. Yeah. No, there's... Shang Tsung did there's, nothing. There's, there's, there is... Oh, my gosh. There is, there is some stuff that almost worked and was you know, so close. Some visuals were cool. I was going to say, there were some, some cool visuals. deaths man. were yeah. pretty cool. But, yeah, like, doing everything like, and never getting to a tournament and, like, killing all these, like, mainstay characters. I get it's a thing. Some characters come back. They have a zombie element to them sometimes. Right. And they might have tried to tease that. It just didn't work. Right. It didn't, you know, if you're not looking at, like you said, source material going all the way back to PlayStation 2. There's a story there that they chose not to use that people are familiar with. Like if you're going to make a Mortal Kombat movie. And then there's some basic things like, you know, the Sub-Zero, it started off on a good foot with the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight and things. But you're also in that same beat kind of supposed to reveal that it was Quan Chi that killed Scorpion's family, not Sub-Zero. Right, but they just went the whole movie being like, "No, nah, it's Sub Zero," and then they made Sub Zero end up being hundreds of years old. And like, there's just all these choices. I was like, "Why are you doing this? This feels so lazy." Right. And again, I could go into a whole nother review. Every time I start talking about Mortal Kombat, it's very easy for me to like dive in. That's why I had to have it on the list. Is it's an adaptation that angers me. <laughs> Too many changes, and not enough of the source material. Yeah, and uh, lack of background, lack of. You know, Outworld. Outworld could be a fascinating place to go to. There's so many things going on in Outworld, whether it be the the Tarkatans or the Shokans and all that stuff. And it just was a barren mountainscape. And Shang Tsung wanting to defy the 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 gods or whatever and break the rules before the tournament even started. Right. He didn't even try. They didn't even try to like get like. This was their last chance to win, and if they didn't win then they would have taken over the world anyway. Yeah. So it made now more sense. Like, We're coming me. back with an army. I was like, right. okay, so that's still not a tournament. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it it's just flabbergasting to me in, in the original movie when it was just an arcade game, like you said, yeah. it fit better and made more sense when they, when they tried to retaliate after they lost, like, Oh, well in 95, we, this, it was this, a yeah, tournament yeah. movie. This, this was just a show. You like you didn't actually get to fight for your freedom. Well, we're I'm gonna turn around and defy that, right? Like you're we're take we plan to take over the world. We're doing it. Yeah, you know. So it, it worked better back then. They one shotted Molina, one hit, yeah. blow through the chest, and where's Katana? Like again, okay, I have to stop myself because we can go 30 minutes about Mortal Kombat. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's get into some positives. Uh, talking about did changes. you do your number one already? You did right. You did three. Uh, no, I did not actually. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll be very brief on mine because okay. mine is hilarious. All right. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, Doctor Sis's estate demanded <laughs> that uh, no more live action films be made after The Cat in the Hat. Uh, Ron Howard's The Grinch with Jim Carrey was pretty, you know, popular. Um, a lot of people still love it. Um, not a, a perfect movie, but it is a staple, and I I watch it every Christmas multiple times quote it constantly it's a fantastic adaptation i even like it better than the uh animated one the I Illumination do. it's one not close <laughs> right it isn't close for me yeah exactly that one's up there for me the cat and hat was so bad that it's good you know what i mean like the first Dirty few times hell. you see that yeah it's, it's terrible it is a terrible movie terrible adaptation but it, going far back with cat and the hat to back when they animated it in like the 70s or 80s it was a, it was a while after the grinch but not too far the same sort of animation style, the same sort of thing. They even messed that up. It's like the cat in the hat is like this linear story of a cat that shows up, wrecks everything, and then comes back and cleans up everything and delivers on his promise, right? So he just wanted to have fun. He just wanted to show the kids the fun, and he was irresponsible, but he took he took care of everything at the end, like he promised to do. If only right? I could put a hat on my cat and tell right. it to up after itself. Right. But this this was just, oh, man, Mike Myers was already starting to woo, decline and all that stuff. And not to say that I don't like him as an actor or anything, but it was it was like at at the end of the hype of his popularity. You know, I think all the all, most of the Austin Powers movies had come out by now. Wayne's World had been done for over a decade. Um, and it was just, you know. I understand, like, well, Jim Carrey was successful. So let's go the next, you know, Mike Myers. He's, he's, he's going to work, right? Set design, storyline, costume Alec design, Baldwin. script, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, even. 
I mean, what about that movie when they were trying to make it? And granted, now it's dated, it's older. But what about that movie and the book? Like, really, did they think was going to work? Like, well, let's like, you know, let's try to make this more Dr. Seuss. Like, what's 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 Dr. Seussy about it? In in the Cat in the Hat, I felt like all their stuff that they did was cheap. Whereas in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, they built Whoville. Right. They actually went to I think like Universal Studios and built a village, a real village for Whoville. And then they like used makeup on their noses and all that stuff. And that was practical and it worked. It was fantastic. In the cat in the hat, it was lazy. It was suburbs. It was I, I can't I can't describe how much of it was bad. I'm glad at the end that, of the day that failure led to them going animated because I think Horton Hears a Who is the best Doctor Seuss adaptation. As good as the Grinches, I really like Horton Hears. And that is the only one that isn't elimination. Yeah. Because I thought Lorax and Grinch were both just like moderately okay. Lorax, uh Lorax is not perfect. Um, there's a whole storyline, if not multiples, that don't exist in the book whatsoever. Sure. Um well, I mean there, been... you got like 12 page books that you're adapting into two hour films. <laughs> but um but yeah, like no Lorax it, it does start falling off after Horton Here's a Who. Um but but those are better than than if they would have made like live action movies with them too, yeah. and I think they appeal to a more broad audience too. Children will watch them and rewatch them and all that stuff. So Wait, isn't Horton also Jim Carrey? Did Jim Carrey yeah. get to do it twice? Yeah. So basically, if it's Jim Carrey, Doctor <laughs> Seuss, it's good. <laughs> Jim Carrey uh, touches gold apparently. But yeah, that's it for that. I mean, you know, too many changes, too many weird uh, things. Trying to make it funny, like with the wrong comedy writers, you know, I think that humor needs to stick and needs to land. It doesn't just say things that are typically funny, you know? So, well, let's flip the script. And also I want to hear anybody listening to this, uh, reach out to us on Twitter or wherever and let us know some of your least favorite adaptations. But, um, I want to flip over and let you start on the good. Hmm. Um, and then we'll go over to me. So what's one of the first adaptations that you love or you thought did an exceptional job adapting the source material? So do you know those uh, people that have read every book for every movie that has ever comes out? They're, <laughs> yeah. they're all they're The the book was better, people. Sure. You know, the book was better. The book was better. The book was better. There are three on my list. Uh, they're all books. Okay. And, but the, and, and funny enough, one of them, and I'll get back to it later. Even the writer of the book himself said, forget my book. The movie was better. The movie was awesome. And it translated better. You know, it worked better on the film uh, uh, platform rather than the book. But my metric for just deciding if they're, um, if the book actually was better or if they're just that person that is always like the book was better mm-hmm. is Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, the book, it's a decent book, but there are a lot of things that they cut out in the movie and change or uh, all around get rid of that uh, work for the better. And we're talking about tweaks like being for the better. The book is a little bit too over the top. You know, he goes to space in the book. He's an astronaut. You're talking about like this guy with dumb luck literally being uh, so successful that he becomes a multi-billionaire, right? Right. Uh, with a shrimping business after being in Vietnam, meeting Lyndon Johnson, meeting Elvis as a child, everything that like could connect this guy to like something that is like phenomenal. And he's just like had this like most phenomenal life ever by run forest run. Happenstance, you know? yeah. Exactly. Instead of going into space in the movie, they have him run across the country, you know, multiple times. He just decides to do what he's good at and what he's always been told. Run. I'm running. I'm running away from everything. I don't know what I'm doing. Running. I don't have a path. I'm, I'm here. This is this is my this is my path. I'm I'm running back and forth. And that's when people start to follow him and like, you know, all that stuff. That's a much better thing to happen than what actually happens in the book. And there is a sequel book that it is even further beyond ridiculous references the movie forced to backing up the gump truck <laughs> uh, starts off don't ever let them make a movie about you which what 
Like you have one of the most wildly successful movies ever made about your book. Hugely successful. They started a restaurant franchise. Over Nominated it. for Best Picture. Did it win Best Picture. <laughs> right. Um, Son, don't ever let them make a, a movie about you. Meets Tom Hanks in the book and all that stuff. It's just, you know, the, the books are not very good. I'm going to be honest with you. They're not fantastic. I'm glad that the source material allowed for this classic. It's a classic. It was an instant classic film. And now it's an unforgettable movie that people will remember yeah, forever. You can't go you know? into a knickknack shop without seeing Life is Like a Box of Chocolates. Exactly. It, there's there's so much about Forrest Gump that was iconic immediately. Uh, cult classic immediately. Well, maybe not cult, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, it just it tr translated better on film. I mean, the 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 uh, the the effects that they use in, in war times and in the lulls when they're just on the boats, the drama, the everything. Lieutenant Dan, uh, Gary Sinise, perfect. Tom Hanks, perfect. They did a really good job in the movie, and the movie's unforgettable. The book is just a little too over the top. It's too much. Understood. Changes are good. Changes are good. Um, I'll go to something that had very few changes, and it's not that the changes made it better. It would have been nice to have them, but it didn't detract from the story, and that was Holes. A lot of people's first uh, introduction to Shia LaBeouf uh, outside of, like, even Stevens. LaBeouf. Yeah, LaBeouf. LaBeouf. And uh, starring Sigourney Weaver, Tim Blake Nelson, and uh, John Voight, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Sir. Yeah, John Voight and Sigourney Weaver played off each other really well yeah the whole everything about the casting oh and henry winkler as yeah, shia's yeah. father the casting was great all around um eartha kit also a huge standout madame zaroni yeah uh i love that i love the cast and this is one of the first books that was read to me i didn't read it myself it was read to me at a young age and i felt like i created such a visual in my head listening to this book like was I, it read to you in school yeah out loud by your teacher yes. in elementary school and it was it was one of my first real like book experiences you know that made me love reading for a long time and i still love consuming books i should normally do it through audible now because it's hard to sit and read <laughs> as an adult it is hard to sit and read um but so i you know i i had expectations and i watched it and the movie ended and i was like that was perfect mm -hmm. i understand that they made stanley yelnet's not chunky because like a big part of the story was that he lost a lot of weight while he was at, yeah. at camp and that's an element but it not it's having not it necessary in there, to no it's, yeah, it, it didn't really take away from it and they did so much of the backstory so well the emotional bond between zero and stanley the way that they blended the flashbacks with the story and how it lined up like so well into like where the story was progressing it's kind of it's kind of a simple book and it's kind of a simple movie but at the same time it's just very engaging and i have yeah. a lot of happy memories uh with watching this and then of course you got the soundtrack digging up them holes and and, and i may be misremembering because it's been a while since i read the book even though i own it <laughs> and uh been a while since i've seen the movie but I, I remember a strong parallel in between the book and the film when he realizes that he's not being bullied or um what's the word hazed anymore yeah. when they start saying calling him caveman caveman and like uh saying like you don't mess with caveman or like you go through caveman you go through me and he's like yeah don't mess with caveman who's caveman and he finds out that's him oh he's accepted now he's one of the guys he's in there he's got a nickname everybody's got a nickname he's not new kid anymore he's caveman right so uh uh, again, like a lot of like good like flush melding with the book and the source material, or knocking out Tim Blake Nelson. D I G did. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. That's a good one. That that's, was a great. That's, adaptation. that's all I got. I, I loved holes, and I was I was happy that it came to mind. I was struggling to think of some adaptations, and when that came to mind, I was like, absolutely, without a doubt, that goes on the list. Um, another one on mine is, is another easy one. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. And I, I referenced it earlier. I believe the writer said that, uh, he, he prefers the movie to his book and that would be fight club. Okay. So the, the, anybody that's seen fight club spoiler for a 20 something. Well, year we can't movie, talk about it. So we just move on. To the next <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually. Oh shit. The, the, well, we're breaking the first two rules. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the twist and the way that it sets up and the way that it works kind of works better on film somehow 
because you know you're like how do you do that do you have one character play two different people or do you have two completely different people play it because he's going to see this person as someone different right. right and he's never even named he never names himself right so it's just the narrator essentially you're assuming that his he's the the narrator is is the character you find out he's also tyler durden right spoilers <laughs> um but I just think that that film did a really good job. A, a lot of its shots, a lot of its effects, a, a lot of the stuff that it, the the and you're talking you were talking earlier about how narrating over the film like didn't work, and in this one it did. So it's it, it's it's kind There's of amazing narration when, in right. like inner monologue, right? Yeah, right. But I mean, you still get that like I am Jack's broken heart and all that stuff. So um, or whatever he says, you know um. But but all that stuff plays into it, and he's you know he's 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 complaining about Marla being at all the meetings and all that stuff. You know he 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 loads her for getting in on his therapy of him like you know going to all these support groups that he's not a part of, and he's a fraud. But she's also a fraud, and he's going to get her caught, so he loads her for it. Turns out that he also really loves and appreciates her because you know they're they're similar, and he starts leading her on, thinking that he's you know uh that she's dating tyler or that she's hooking up with tyler but she's not it's it's with him and he doesn't realize that he doesn't realize that his he's he's sectioning off parts of his personality for what he thinks of himself as or what he wants himself to be and he's giving himself his own character development in this one section of his personality where he thinks that he's like he's he's like healing a part of himself with another part of himself, essentially, and and trying to save the world while doing it, he destroys all the credit bureaus. I think um, to do a hard reset so that everybody's you know back to zero. And 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 um, you know he has a message. It's mayhem, though. It is mayhem. It is terroristic. It is uh, it is a huge. It, it goes from you think that this movie is just about a fight club. Can I just say people have done a great job of not talking about Fight Club? Yeah. Because the second you started getting into the depth of this, I was like, I had no idea about any of this. Um, Spoilers: I haven't seen Fight Club. <laughs> oh, you have not seen the movie? No. So you're oh, blowing, did I just ruin the movie? For I you? don't know. You're blowing my mind. Oh, it is a. Fa- I did not know that you haven't seen the movie. I feel so awful because it is. It is a really good movie. It's a really good movie. You think that it's just about a Fight Club, and it has almost nothing to do with Fight Club. That's just cr- the, the the bones of it it starts as what uh, he thinks is a fight club and then he moves it on to something else and it's, it's just um anyway I, i'm talking about like how it's a good movie and not really like kind of like what makes it a good adaptation but i just think that everything that they did and the, the way that they do it and how it works works enormously well it, it was it was it works so fantastic man that is dude Dude, you have not seen that movie. I know, I am the worst. Why did you not tell me this before <laughs> I get into like what? It's like it's it's like the prestige, dude. There's a huge twist ending yeah. that makes the whole movie right. And then you go back and rewatch it, and you're seeing everything but again, just like the next, prestige. In our next episode, we're going to talk about hot takes. You're going to go on. You've never seen it. <laughs> That's right. You, oh my god, Fight Club. Um, except you're supposed to go with what you've seen, and Allison hasn't, but. We'll, we'll flip what if it was it. both of you haven't seen it? Or we're assuming she hasn't seen it. I feel like Alice has probably it's, seen Fight Club. Well, ask her to switch it up. Do one episode where you got to see it. Yeah. And she's seen yeah. it. Uh, flip the script for it. Um, All right. What do you got for another good one? Man, I can't believe you haven't seen Fight Club. I was this just is... going to say my, my hot take is prestigious Christopher Nolan's best film out of the ones I've seen at least. But oh, I agree. After Holes, my next one that uh, anyone who's been following the channel knows that this is no surprise. I'll try to be a little brief because I've talked uh, ad nauseum about it. The Sandman, Neil Gaiman's The Sandman on Netflix. Uh, Ten episode uh, season with a bonus episode in there. Uh, it's an adaptation of the first three volumes. I think, Well, Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, I think so. Those first two volumes of the graphic novel uh it's it's great and we talk about how changes are okay this is a show that as the sandman comic went on it got farther and farther from its dc roots less use of gotham less use of 
uh, DC fringe characters and fully became its own identity. And so the show kind of takes off from the later comics in that way. And they kind of disbanded a lot of connection from DC. Mm-hmm. So there's some characters that they, they don't use or that they blend together. Uh, other than that, it's like a page by page adaptation of the comic. It is beautiful. The moments that hit when you're reading or you're listening to the audible, they hit in the show. The casting's great. The hardest casting by far was of Dream, which is Morpheus, uh, which is Tom Sturridge. Wasn't familiar with his work, didn't know how it would go. He did the impossible and managed to capture this distant, ethereal, non-human element that you would think completely separates you from the main character. But I found him wholly engaging, very fun to watch. And uh, it's kind of like elves in like Lord of the Rings a lot of times. They can be very stoic and you think that it would distance you but you look at like you know Kate Blanchett um, as Galadriel and there's there's a warmth hidden in there and I think Tom Sturridge really captured a lot of that um didn't yeah. didn't Neil Gaiman himself I think he 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 really loved that as well and 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 thought that that was a a, a good uh person for the role well he said that Tom was one of the first people they interviewed. And he had to interview a shit ton of people yeah. after that just to entertain it. And the studio wanted it too, I think. And he was like, I, but it was I like 400 more auditions. Yeah. And at the end of it, he's like, it's still Tom. It's, yeah. It's still uh, Tom. And he, he also had his, his hands in this uh, too. Uh, very heavily. Very heavily. And, and uh, it ca- calls back to writing it when he was writing it, he didn't know it was going to be successful. And he kind of wrote like a Sam short story. Sam had started in 1989. First. And man, and he's he's just still so in love with it. They've tried to approach him about the movies or movies or anything. Just Gordon Levitt was trying you know, to direct and star in a and and he kept saying, "Well, I, I you know, no, no, no," or like you you couldn't get me to do it, or I'll try and let's see if this works. Uh, ultimately, he he wasn't fully on board until it was going to be a series that he could you know actually do. Anyway, sorry. No, I mean I, I can't be the only. It, 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 it should be gratis to like how well you know, this adaptation is for And I, I definitely want to bring this up for a multitude of reasons, but one of them being that they still have not even hinted at confirmation of a renewal, despite the very loud voices online, Renew Sandman. We want season two. Season one was exceptional. It was just damn near perfect. Uh, it will remain to be one of my favorite adaptations. It's not just recency bias. I felt such a sense of gratification when that show wrapped up, so... That's my number two. Uh, there's so many Sandman reviews or Sandman content on this channel. If you want more thoughts and feelings on that, plus we reacted to every episode on the channel, so nice. that's all there. Sometimes all there. Sean, sometimes actually my episode, uh, the audio was bad, so it didn't work. So ironically, Sean and Allison have reacted to the entirety of the show, and I reviewed the eleventh episode, so that's how that breaks down. So what's the next one on your good list? Uh, talking about changes being uh, good, and this is my number one is um, there were a lot of changes that they made in the Jurassic Park film. That's true. Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. Yep. So the book is one of the few novels that I've read that was adapted into a movie that I've I've read multiple times. And there are many things that they cut out and changed, uh, some of which ended up in Jurassic Park 3. Uh, Spielberg does change a lot when he adapts things, but I think still does good content. Like I I really like Ready Player One, but it's vastly different from the book well in ready player one a lot of uh property issues were sure were part of it too yeah. as well but it is also still a good movie yeah, yeah. far cry from the book right as well yes, in jurassic know. park uh no it's an excellent point um jurassic park you know they they do a hybrid of uh, character uh donald gennaro um and ed regis ed regis is not in the uh movie at all and uh he's a big character in the book Donald Gennaro does not die in the book, but he dies getting eaten off of the toilet in uh, Jurassic Park, and it's one of the most iconic scenes in Hollywood history. I really want a shirt of like him getting eaten on the toilet. Yeah. This shit happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it, it is so fantastic that Tyrannosaurus attack, fantastic. And you're even talking about a movie with like consistency glitches, like when you're when uh, the the car is coming down and. Uh, uh, Dr. Grant and uh, I forget the, the girl's name. I forget the, you know, Hammond's granddaughter, right? 
are, are down on the rope and they're like trying to move away from the, the car, there are consistency issues and errors where, you know, the car Lex, is in like Lexi? different split. Yeah. Uh, Alexis, like Alexa. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Very close. It's one of those, um, that, you know, like the shots even have errors in it, it even though it's Spielberg and stuff. So there's, there are things wrong with the movie, but you can't tell because it's so fantastic. And even a lot of the, like, uh, the a movie the, that is one year shy of being 30 years old and, and you can watch it well any day live animatronics giant giant robots and the special effects aren't bad by today's standards even like you, you can tell you know the difference the shadow issues the lighting and the stuff but the the way that they render and look is actually pretty fantastic especially for 1993 you look at a movie like mission to mars in 2002 or something like that with just a straight up cartoon alien melding with normal people you know there's there's you could tell they spent a lot of time on this so changes from the book yes many many changes but the main story the meat and bones of it what was important you know this there's this park opening up there was an incident that happened. I need I need professionals to back this for my investors so that we can open the park still and that this whole legal issue goes away. So that I we've spent billions of dollars on this, spared no expense, literally. Yeah. And then so they come, they're gonna interview privately, or they are gonna privately tour the park, and then it everything goes wrong, right? And then the park never gets to open. That's the whole story. That's the whole story. And they did that. And they did it well. And it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. It's iconic. It's cool. It's awesome. Dinosaurs eat people. There's chases, fights. This The story, most of the connected tissue, it's all there. And it is just a fantastic movie that, like you said, a year of being 30, a year shy of being 30 years old. I saw it in theaters for its 25th anniversary. Oh, how was that? That was really cool. Because really? obviously, it came out the year I was born. Yeah. So Did you see it in Dolby? No, it was, um, was the it only just... unfortunate thing is it was forced 3D. Oh, it was a 3D yeah. only, um, re, you know, and it's post-converted 3D. But it's still the theatrical experience with the sound and seeing it on the big screen. It's all with my dad who doesn't ever go see movies other than Top Gun. There must reasons. have been, like, positive elements to the, to the 3D, too, though. Like, I'm sure it wasn't all, you know. Like... Pretty much anything involving the animatronics yeah. was sick. Yeah. The, the T-Rex, like, yeah. coming out into the audience a little bit. I was... But yeah, fan, fantastic movie adaptation, very different from the book and yet very similar at the same time. And you can't argue that it's the best one. Yeah. Out of a wildly successful franchise, I'll argue was downhill from the first one, which a lot of franchises are, but still kicked off all this. I, mean, I, I agree it's the best one. Um, I don't know if any of the world movies are better than the, any of the original three, but that's my personal thoughts it's you know oh no i mean yeah i'm agreeing with that yeah they're not i they're not great yeah because at least you know there's there's characters to like and care about in the original three Mm -hmm. the world is oof that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) and it's funny because like the concept of the first jurassic world movie like is great sure you know even talking you're talking about a cloning genetics company that runs a successful music amusement park with ticket sales down what are they going to do they're going to create a dinosaur yeah. You know, so all it makes sense. It just didn't work. The execution was, right, was lacking exactly. for sure. All right. Well, um, moving in and wrapping up on my final adaptation that I, I love. I was just listening to music from it on the way here. And that's Denis Villeneuve's Dune. I said there's going to be some reflection from uh, my worst adaptations. This has been, Dune has been said to be an unadaptable property for a really long time for a multitude of reasons. It's so sci-fi heavy. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> pun intended, I guess. It's dry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's a lot of politics. When people think of sci-fi in space, they want Star Wars and Star Trek. You know, they want actions and lasers and things like that. A lot of politics in both Star Wars and Star Trek, though. There is know. yes, but the the action elements are very fleeting in Dune. It's very much about family and betrayal and royalty and galaxy-wide politics um, and prophecies. And there's some spiritual nature and stuff in there. I am absolutely captivated by the story of Dune. 
And what got me into it initially, other than some podcasts talking about it, is they said Dune's being adapted. At this point, I hadn't consumed any Dune. Casting announcements started coming out. And I don't remember the exact order, but they're like, Oscar Isaac will be Duke Leto Atreides. Uh, Josh Brolin will be Gurney Halleck. You got Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides. Uh, Javier Bardem as Stilgar. And it just kept Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron Harkonnen. And I was like, my God, this is probably the best cast I've ever heard of. And it just they just kept coming. And so I was like, I want to find out about this. So I listened to the Audible. Um watch the original movie which is not a good adaptation again right and they wisely decided to make the first dune book two movies and that that's a good choice i think the first one is it's two and a half hours long about and it really takes time even this that we talked about changes they had to take some stuff out they had to trim some fat there's stuff that they just didn't have time to delve into but i felt like Denny being a big fan of the property was very meticulous and careful about what he did take out. Right. And so that you wouldn't feel like something was missing. There was some subplots with the lady, Jessica, who's played by um, Rebecca Ferguson. Again, great casting that, you know, involves some suspicions and stuff. But when you talk about this plot, does it affect the beginning or the end of the story? It doesn't. It's something that takes up time during the story so we took it out they uprooted it and if you don't know you wouldn't know and i don't feel like any of the things pulled out from the story make it any lesser uh there's some like races of characters and stuff that if we got more background on them might help some people that are coming in fresh right uh and that's really it the visuals are as rarely ever happens so much cooler on screen than my imagination ever could get close. That's to. fan. I don't don't you just love when that happens? It's it made me feel like I lacked imagination right. when I watched Dune. I was like, yes, that's what that's supposed that's to look like. Awesome. That's what that should sound like. Let me ask you a question: as someone who has not uh, ingested anything from Dune, um, do you feel like say they don't get past the second movie? Do you feel like the first Dune book is a complete enough story to uh, yeah. round a bunch of stuff out and like be like a so that Dune one and Dune two being the first book, if they only just make those those two ones, yeah. Do you think that that's enough for these to be classics in uh, adaptation history? I mean, I would hope so. My, I mean, I would, I'd want the story to continue because Dune is like a world and story that spans like like Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, thousands and thousands of years. The Paul Atreides story is a segment. Right. Not all the Dune books are about the the Paul Atreides. They are often about the Atreides family. Think Skywalker and Star Wars. You know, the the lineage lives on. But it's just the first, like, uh, two books that are really about Paul. And so, yeah, I, I think Denny wants to do a trilogy. He wants to do the first book in two movies. And the second book is one, which is fine because the second book is smaller mm-hmm. and less happens. Right. So, so you could see it already. Yeah, I can already. So, what if what if they did a trilogy and then they did like a very high budget series after that? I think that's exactly what they should do. Ironically, there was a Dune series uh, that covers what happens after those uh, first two books that oh. happened already, in like the it was on the Sci Fi Channel. James McAvoy played Paul Atreides' son hmm. in that. So. Um, but it but it would be good if they spent like ten million dollars an episode on oh, like you well know, they're like, already doing an HBO Dune show called Dune the Sisterhood and there's been casting announcements coming out uh, the last couple of weeks like crazy okay and what does this have is this a, like a spinoff or is this yeah I think it I want to say it's probably going to predate the movies and set okay. some stuff out the Sisterhood is about the Bene Gesserit which is kind of like there's like sci-fi witches that predict the future and that might know. be a little dangerous to start a series. Well, as long as it's named separately, right? You yeah. know, but it might it might be dangerous to oversaturate Dune before you get to tell the story. I think it might be far enough removed, but we will we will see what happens. But I mean, the the principal nature that we want to talk about here is the adaptations and the casting. Once I heard the casting and I read the book, I started seeing these characters with these actors. I started hearing their voices with these actors, much like I think. Harry Potter, or now it's hard to read Deadpool and not hear Ryan Reynolds. Right. Uh, Dune was that for me. Sure. Uh, 
I have very little notes on it other than it's exceptional. And I've made it my, my mission to make sure that people watch Dune and Sandman. Other than that, I let them live their lives. Very, very, very excited for a future with these properties. With both well. them, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Fantastic. Dune part two is filming now. Yes. Yeah. So, or as I call it, part Dune. <laughs> Hot Hot shots. Up in those. Hot shots, part Dune. Part Dune, <laughs> absolutely. So anyways, that's uh, that's our lists. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. our top three, bottom three adaptations. I uh, love to hear uh, adaptations that you guys had qualms with. Uh, look forward to our next episode, which is going to be nothing but spicy hot takes. Woohoo! Coming up just like that show hot ones but we're hot takes hot hot takes fan splash brings you we're hot gonna takes. be we're gonna be eating hot wings with hot sauce while we do hot takes yep just down in some uh jalapeno juice while i talk about <laughs> days future past all right uh well thank you guys so much for joining us hopefully you had fun um tyler thanks for sharing your list with me thank um, you we will catch you on the next one even more of a reason why i need to see some of the stuff you haven't said i can't believe i ruined fight club for you it was bad to happen. I'm oh my god! Almost 30 I, I, years I old can't believe you haven't seen it though. That's your fault, man. Keep it I real. I do feel bad. Needless to say, this place has everything. Melvin, dude. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. What the fuck is a fan splash? Um, if you have drunk toner in your coffee machines. You should probably <laughs> switch to the sober toner. <laughs> 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 <laughs>